Hey, hey, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome back to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. Last time, Zeroth battled Arbold and bested his former partner, but was seriously wounded in the process. Steve used the cannon called the Big One to shoot Unala and his Pyrex out of the sky. As Era went to work healing Zeroth, Alexander and Julius steered the griffin towards Dragon's Well. And back on the mainland of Airy, the Hawk King rained destruction down upon Tall, the Duck City. Man, what a jerk. To stay updated, you can follow me on Twitter, at Daniel J. Hogan, or follow the podcast on Twitter, at M-O-E Podcast. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. And now, the next wonderful episode of The Magic of Airy. Episode number 29, Dragon's Well. Steve knocked on the door of Zero's cabin. Come in! replied Era the pelican. The boy pushed open the sturdy wooden door and was surprised to see Zero up and walking around the room, which was sparse save for a simple cot and many, many boxes of beads. That was fast, said Steve, remembering the near-death state the birdman had been in only hours ago. Thank her, Zero said with a nod to Era. Her healing potions fixed me right up. Zeroth held up what had been his severely wounded shield arm and pulled down the sleeve of his cloak. The gaping wound was completely healed. If not for the large tear in Zeroth's cloak, it would have been impossible to tell he had even been hurt. It was nothing at all, but I used up most of my supply. I'll have to go make some more. Era replied modestly as she packed her belongings into her backpack and let herself out of the room. Are we almost to Dragon's Well? I think so. Are you ready for this? We don't know what to expect there. Steve shrugged as he absentmindedly rummaged through a box of brightly colored beads. I don't think it really matters, does it? Every time I think I can get away from this place, I just keep getting pulled back in even deeper. Zeroth sat down on his cot and leaned against the wall. Is that so bad? Does it bother you that everything here is not governed by this science of yours? Good, bad, it doesn't matter. I just want to go home. All this stuff is just weird. Steve stopped playing with the box of beads and left the room. Cam, you better be right about this, kid. Zeroth sighed as he stared up at the ceiling of the room, thinking that his problems were probably only just beginning. From within Zeroth's cloak, Gladius the Swordfish started mumbling. Zeroth reached in and pulled out his talking weapon. What did you say? I said have your lousy cloak cleaned. Zeroth rolled his eyes and began to stuff Gladius back inside his cloak. Wait, wait, uh, I was only fooling. What is it then? He'll come around. They all do. Heroes, that is. I'm more worried about you, though. Zero's eyes flashed red for a second before he stuffed Gladius away, leaving himself to his thoughts of Cam, Arbel, and formal hunter complaint forms. Around midday, Hector called everyone to the helm. Land ho! The penguin called from underneath his colander helmet. Everyone peered over the edge of the ship and spotted a small island nearby. Hector reached for another set of cables that would help lower the ship, but Alexander stopped him. Look! said the captain, pointing to the water. As the griffin came closer to the island, everyone noticed it was surrounded by an impassable ring of coral reef and rocks. There was wreckage from nearly a dozen ships of all shapes and sizes littering the natural barricade. Steve stepped back, 
surveying the ship graveyard in all of its superior glory. No wonder no one's ever seen this place. Wait, if no one's ever seen this place, how come you said you've heard of it? I said I've heard of it. I never said anything about seeing it. Steve started to protest, but he saw the serious look on Alexander's face and decided to forget the whole thing. With his ridiculously long spyglass, Alexander spotted where they could land safely inside the foreboding ring of coral and rocks. Hector pulled on the proper cables and the griffin began to descend to the strange island known as Dragon's Well. After an uneventful landing, aside from Alexander getting airsick from the rapid descent and then seasick after they splashed down into the water, the team made their way to the shore. Julius stayed behind on the griffin. The small landing craft ran aground on the rocky shore of the island's beach. Everyone exited and made the difficult trek over the rock-filled beach. Ugh, Steve complained as he tried to keep his footing on the slippery smooth rocks. I thought beaches were supposed to be sandy. This is nuts. No, this is rocks, Alexander said, picking up a fist-sized rock and throwing it aside. What? You said this is nuts. And you are wrong. This is rocks, not nuts. No, that's a saying back... Uh-huh. Okay, when you say something is nuts, it means it is crazy. Hmm. Does that mean squirrels there eat crazy? What? You said nuts is another way of saying crazy. So does that mean you use crazy as another way of saying nuts? No, it doesn't work like that. We don't say something is eating crazy when they are eating nuts. Uncle Seamus scratched his head and added, I don't know, I've seen people eat crazy before. This one time I was at a hot dog eating contest, but these weren't your average dogs. No, sir, they were two feet long and you are not helping. You eat dogs and you have contests to see who can eat the most? Steve groaned. This is going to take a while. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes Music Store. After a lengthy conversation about some of the different meanings of words and phrases within Steve's own world and Airy, the group continued their trek. Airy was having difficulty with the rocks, so Uncle Seamus decided to carry her on his back. After he nearly tripped several times within the first few seconds, Airy decided to take her chances by herself. Where? even going? How do we know this island isn't full of mean, nasty things just waiting to jump out at us? Everyone ignored Steve as they finally made it off the rocky beach of the island, and onto the sandy dirt ground that covered the interior of the island. Even though no one had been paying attention, Steve continued his verbal editorial. And what are we even supposed to find here? All I've seen is rocks, trees, and more rocks. Geo didn't really tell us what to look for. I have a feeling we'll know it when we see it. Oh, I can only imagine. I wonder what it'll be this time. Perhaps some giant talking tree? Wait, 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 I know. How about a piece of helpful fungus? Or maybe even a singing plant? Oh, I can't wait to find out. I imagine it'll be something like that, Zeroth said with a point. Steve turned to look in the direction the hunter was pointing and skidded to a stop. Within the sandy clearing was a ten-foot-tall well, built from misshapen rocks and stones. The clearing was covered in fine white sand, and a small pond of clear water rested not far from the enormous well. Next to the well was a small gong hanging from a wooden frame. A mallet rested nearby. Oh, of course. Now what? Everyone stared at Steve. They looked suggesting what should happen next. Oh no, I'm not ringing that gong. Forget it. Oh, come on then. It won't hurt. Alexander said as he got behind Steve and pushed the boy forward. 
Steve stumbled a bit in the sand, and with a loud sigh made his way to the small gong. The clearing was silent except for his footsteps. As the boy approached the well, he heard a faint groaning sound, much like that of someone blowing over a glass bottle. The well was very tall, but also very wide, nearly as wide as a house. Reluctantly, Steve reached down and picked up the small mallet to strike the gong. Several small dents littered the face of the gong. He swung back his arm and aimed for the center. Steve hardly touched the surface of the gong, creating a flat thud sound. Steve dropped the mallet to the ground. Oh darn, nothing happened. I suppose we'll just have to leave. What a shame. You barely touched it. Swing with your hips. Perhaps you should adjust for wind resistance. You can do better than that. Here with your purse, surely. Steve sighed and picked up the mallet again, scowling at his companions as he wound up his arm to give the gong a mighty blow. He struck the gong. Its unique music echoed around him for a few moments. Uncle Shameless clapped in appreciation of Steve's little recital but stopped after a series of nasty looks from the boy. Is this part of the prophecy? Steve said as thunder roared in the distance. I'm supposed to come to this little fly speck of an island and play a stupid gong? What do we do now? Take this thing and keep banging it in front of the Hawk King? Maybe if we're lucky, Fiacra is violently allergic to gongs. Steve joked as thunder roared again, only closer. After a few moments, Steve realized it was not thunder, but rather the ground was rumbling. The boy turned to face the well and saw that it was shaking. What's going on? Steve yelled over the loud rumbling. He pointed to the large well. And why is that sound coming from the well? Zeroth ran over to the well. I'll take a look. Shameless, give me a hand. Uncle Shameless began clapping. He stopped when Zeroth gave him a nasty look. What? You can't take a joke? Uncle Shameless asked as he walked over and formed a step for Zeroth with his hands. Zeroth found handholds between the rocks forming the well's walls and began to climb up. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. Probably just some kind of... Zeroth's words trailed off as he peered into the blackness of the well. The bird man immediately jerked his head back and spun around. Run! Zeroth bellowed as he unfurled his small wings from under his cloak and glided off the top of the well. What? Alexander ran up and grabbed the boy's hand. He said run! The companions ran to the cover of the trees and shrubs just past the edge of the sandy clearing. They turned in time to watch an enormous geyser of water explode from the mouth of the well. The water fell to the ground in heavy sheets, soaking the surrounding area and the companions. Everybody spit water from their mouths and wiped their eyes dry before they noticed that the water wasn't the only thing that came out of the well. Sticking out of the mouth of the well, and measuring a few stories high, was the upper half of a dragon. Look at the size of it! Uncle Shamus whispered as he snuck a peek at the dragon. Everyone shushed him in unison before they peered through the leaves of their hiding place. The dragon's long body was thin and serpentine. It rested its elbows on the top of the well and looked around the clearing like a hermit crab spying from its shell. It was covered in shiny bright blue and dull purple scales. The dragon had a long face and big friendly eyes. At the end of its snout were long, dark, blue whiskers, looking much like those of a catfish. The dragon shook its upper body as it tried to dry itself, which sent more water flying to the ground. Steve turned, grabbed Alexander by his crisscross suspenders, and pulled the duck over. I thought you told me there weren't any dragons here. When did I say that? You said Dragon's Well was just a name. No, no, no. We meant Dragon's Mine, Dragon's Grotto, Dragon's Cove, and Dragon's Cave were just names. Right, Hector? Yes, Captain. 
They were named after an explorer named Dragon. So Dragon was his last name? And his first. Oh, you have got to be kidding. And he was a doctor. You mean to tell me that Dragon's Cave and Dragon's Cove are named after- Yes, Dr. Dragon Dragon Agon. Agon was his mother's name. What? Steve yelled, finally giving in to his frustration and shaking Alexander by his suspenders. Dr. Agon? That's the stupidest name I've ever heard. Uncle Shameless, never wanted to pass up a chance for a quick joke, joined the conversation. Yeah, and this dragon doctor guy, he was known for being really long-winded. I heard he just talk for a long time, you know? he just drag on. Steve let go of Alexander so he could scream into his hands. Hector continued his geography lesson, while behind him, Uncle Seamus tried to explain why he thought his joke was funny. Everyone knows Dragon's Well has dragons. It is called Dragon's Well after all. He wouldn't have named it Dragon's Well if there weren't any dragons. That would just be silly. But how do they expect anyone to know the difference between Dragon's Well and Dragon's Grotto and the other things? Because Dragon's Grotto and the rest are possessive. Dragon's Well is plural, meaning here be drag. Steve screamed into his hands once again, his frustration boiling over. Uncle Shameless elbowed his nephew lightly in the ribs. Get it? Drag on? Huh? Now what? Zeroth asked as he studied the dragon. It looks like it's just waiting for us. Don't you have anything in that pack of yours that'll kill a dragon? Kill a dragon? Are you serious? Steve couldn't believe that a duck who got seasick was asking him if he was being serious. Isn't that a standard quest thing? Killing the dragon? You know? Stuff? Alexander, Era, Hector, and Zeroth all gave the boy a look of total disgust. Such a thing. Simply horrible. I'll never understand humans. Look, I don't know how you do things back in your world, Alexander stated as he poked the boy in the chest. But here we don't go around killing dragons. Why? Why? Alexander reached up, grabbed Steve's shirt, pulled the boy down to his eye level, and pointed at the dragon. Just look at it. How could you kill such a Beautiful creature. Well... Besides, they are children of Za, and you don't go around killing a goddess's favorite things. Ah, uh, but we killed them Pyrex, interrupted Uncle Seamus, coming to his nephew's defense. Ain't they kids of Zoo or something? True, and I'm sure old Bernie is mighty cheesed off about that, but dragons are peaceful, helpful creatures, not winged bringers of fiery destruction. See the difference? <laughs> Eventually, the companions decided that perhaps they should attempt to talk to the dragon, since it did appear to be waiting for them. Alexander decided since Steve was the one with the dragon issues, he'd better be the first one to start a dialogue. Can we vote on this? Very well. Who thinks Steve should go out there first? Everyone except Steve raised a hand. And who thinks he should not? Steve slowly raised his hand. There you have it, five to one. Don't you just love democracy? Off you go. Alexander said as he pushed Steve into the clearing. The damp sand crunched under Steve's steps as he made his way to the well. The reluctant hero cleared his throat, but the dragon was busy scratching behind an ear with one of its arms. Hello? Steve said, finally catching the dragon's attention. The giant creature turned its head and looked down at the boy. Its massive head cast an ominous shadow over him. The dragon cocked its head and studied the boy with its large eyes. Eventually, a long, toothy grin crept across the dragon's face. Hello there, the dragon said in a booming, refined, masculine voice. You rang? 
Steve realized the dragon was referring to the little gong he had hit with the mallet. Yeah. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Five Toes, said the dragon. He held up one of his tree trunk-sized limbs, and sure enough, there were five clawed toes. Hi. Five Toes glanced toward the trees where Alexander, Uncle Seamus, Zeroth, Hector, and Era were hiding. Why don't you ask your friends to join you? Steve obediently motioned for everyone to join him. Slowly, the others left the damp hiding place amongst the trees and joined Steve in front of the well. You certainly are soggy lot. My apologies. Let me help. Five Toes opened his large mouth and began inhaling. He's gonna breathe fire on us! Uncle Seamus screamed as he ducked behind the considerably smaller Alexander. Five Toes laughed with a deep roar and shook his head. He then blew a mighty gust of warm breath over the group. Alexander would have been blown away had it not been for Hector grabbing him by his suspenders. When Five Toes stopped, everyone was completely dry. Thanks! Oh, that's much better. Hera added as she smoothed out her poncho. Steve sniffed his shirt sleeve. Except we all smell like fish now. Ugh. Again, I'm sorry, little friends. Five Toes turned his large, scaly head to look at Uncle Shameless. And for the record, I do not breathe fire. Well, I thought dragons breathed the fire. Dragons breathing fire? Certainly not. You're thinking of those flaming brutes that... But back home they do. You have dragons back home? Well, in storybooks. There you have it. Only in a storybook where the dragon breathe fire. Breathing fire. (laughs) What nonsense. Steve tried to wrap his mind around the debate on dragons Uncle Shameless was having with five toes, but he stopped when his brain began to hurt. Shall we go? The party looked at each other and then looked back at five toes. Go? Five Toes nodded and smiled another big, toothy grin. That is why you summoned me, is it not? Um, well... Steve hesitated until he realized he did not have a follow-up statement. He looked at his friends. They all shrugged. We're here because this crazy oracle who kept talking and questions told us we had to... Oh, how is Geo? You know that weirdo? He's fine, I guess. At least he was before we left the village formerly known as Uth, the last human village. Yeah, and it got kind of burned down after that. I had heard rumors of Uth, but had hoped for them to be just that. Steve decided to change the subject quickly. When you said... Go? Where exactly were you talking about? To Mennonite, of course. And what is that exactly? The The city city beneath the sea. Five Toes answered with a smile. Suddenly a thought occurred to Five Toes. His serpentine neck swung down so that his long snout was only a few inches from Steve's face. Are you the boy? I have a name. He is the boy. I have a name. Fantastical! Is that even a word? At last, the boy! Cheered Five Toes, clapping together his massive hands. Steve pointed to himself. Name! Name here. I got a name. It's Steve. We We must must go go at once. The queen will be happy to see you. Excuse me? The queen of what? Why, the queen of Mininat, of course. Yeah, of course. Said Steve, unimpressed and wondering what manner of person or creature he would be forced to meet this time. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Eric. Make sure to join us again next time. Why does Five Toes want to take Steve to the city beneath the sea? Can the dragon be trusted? Who is this queen person anyway? Find out in the next thrilling episode of The Magic of Eric.
copyright date of this episode was July 3rd, 2010. To help support this free podcast, please use the PayPal donate button on the website or buy a copy of the original novel. Magic of Area Podcast by Daniel J. Hogan and Scary Dice Productions is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States license. This only applies to the podcast and not the original novel. Feel free to share this podcast. The Magic of Airy, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening.